Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. If you think that we can contemplate you, we can see you, we can see your heart, we can see your words, your mouth, your thoughts. We could consider your ways, Lord, and learn and draw close to you. We pray that in the same manner, O oh Father God, that we would be a manifest replica and representation of your heart to our families. And we pray, Father God, that we not shun our responsibility as fathers, but that we might receive from you and then give to our families that which you have given us. We give you thanks for your word this morning. We ask you to bless it, to prosper it into the heart of your people, that it would be received as a seed planted in each heart that would grow forth fruit and the glory would be seen, O oh God. And bless your word and return it not void unto us, O oh God, but perform that which you sent it forth as we receive it and obey it and put it into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. It's reminded that this pursuit of God, as we come to the house of God, and this is where there's a lot of conflict. People don't understand what church is all about. But church, could we have the indoor lights on, please? Um, church is all about coming to pursue. I mean, there's, there's no use to coming to church if you have not come to pursue the heart of God the Father. Kenny, you want to get the lights there, please? If you have not come to pursue God the Father, your experience in church will leave you wanting because that's what the expression is in this place. It should have been by now as we worshiped God and sung to the Lord that you were lifting up your hands, that you were trying to come before the Father like it says in John chapter 4, where Jesus is talking with a woman and she says, you need to know the Father's heart. The Father is seeking those that will worship him. The Father, in other words, is seeking those that will connect with him. And his, our connecting with God is not that we come here for an hour, a couple of hours a week, and have a relationship with the church. This is called public worship. But how we have really dropped the ball, taking the Father's heart to our houses. We have dropped the ball in being able to express the sentiments and the deep feelings of God to the next generation. Not, not only the word of God, which is what happens at church, but the receptiveness of your Receiving what God has for you to pass down to your children. To know the Father and to express His heart is the purpose of worship. There was a gentleman who you might recall. <clears throat> he was a commander in the Space Shuttle Columbia. His name was Colonel Rick Husband. And he commanding that space flight upon re-entry over the state of Texas, 
the, the shuttle disintegrated and it just fell apart. And we all saw that in total, total craziness as we saw these astronauts inside that space shuttle come to their, to their end. And the, why do I speak about the commander Rick Husband is because he was one of those rare men, one of those very extraordinary men that knowing he would be outside of his house, listen very carefully, he not only went to church, he was not only a Christian, but knowing that he would be gone for 18 days in a mission to space, he put together 36 videos 36 videos, 18 for his daughter, 18 for his son, so that every morning they might watch their father transfer the heart of God to their lives. And not because he would be out on the 18 days of the mission, but because he did this every day when his children woke up. He would have a time of devotion with them. He would open up the scriptures he would open up the Bible and begin to share the heart of God to his two children. And so leaving an incredible legacy to these two children of what it is to know the father, to be a father. And I have a responsibility because there was a time not too long ago that every father of every household living in a Christian nation had the responsibility to have what was called family worship at home. They would open up in prayer. They would read the scriptures and they would sing songs to the Lord, not the pastor. It was the men of those households that had the custom to, to worship God. And, and we see this early on in scripture. What legacy is it that we're leaving our children? Those of you who want to read the book written by Rick Husband's wife, it's called High Calling, The Courageous Life and Faith of Space Shuttle Columbia's Commander Rick Husband. High Calling. Must be a powerful book of a, of a man who left a legacy for his children. His daughter Laura, his son Matthew, were able to watch for 18 days, their father opened up scripture and share the word of God. You know, the devil has done a good job in our lives telling us we're not qualified. I want to tell you this morning, you're more than qualified. If you're a father over a household, God has ordained you as the priest over that house. God has ordained you as the prophet. God has ordained you as the king over your family. Why priest? Because you will offer up prayer for your children. You will talk to God on behalf of your children. I hope if you're a father, you do that. I do that all the time. I do that seeing the struggles of my family, seeing the struggles of my children, seeing their needs and their desires. I come before God and I talk to God about my children as a priest of my home. As a prophet of my home, now I talk to my children on behalf of God. I am the direct and there is no better messenger of God than a father to his children. There is no better messenger to speak the words of God to his children but, God, but, but each father. 
And to be able to, the Bible says, to do so in such a manner that it would be like God speaking. I remember as a child seeing my dad speak, I said, that's the devil. That, that devil has that man. Look at him go. I learned later on that it didn't matter that my dad was acting like the devil. I was still trying to listen to him to get God's message. But we're supposed to speak to our children super filled with grace, super filled with love, super filled with, with everything that would want them to receive the words that you distill upon them. The Bible says that John would say that the words of God tasted like honey. And don't speak with you, to, with, to your children through the bitterness of yesteryear, through the bitterness of resentment and hurt and pain. We got to be careful because our children will grow up to embrace the affections of their fathers, be that that uh, they're involved in business, be it that they're involved in the affairs of this life. The greatest depression of a man, I want to ask you, if when you're depressed, is it because you haven't been doing what God wants you to do? Does that get you depressed? Or is it that the stocks went down? Or is it that you've lost your job? Or is it that there's no, no capacity to prosper in earthly affairs? Because that will become your children's depression. But if you're depressed because the house of God is empty, you're depressed because no one is serving the Lord the way the Lord is supposed to be served. Are those the conditions of your heartache? A song that, that they sing nowadays, Lord, let my heart break for what breaks yours. Let me feel the sentiment of the heart of God. And then when the kids come over and they're embracing dad or they're near dad or they're conversing with dad, what is the concern upon his heart? They might say, son, you know, things are not doing very well. Well, why, God, why dad? Are we not going to be able to go to church? No, no, it's not about church. Well, the things are just really dark and damp. Why God? We're not going to be able to praise God anymore. No, no, no. I'm talking about that. Why are you down, Dad? Oh, because the things are financially tight. The wherewithal economically is going bad. And then the cry of your heart to your children has nothing to do with the concerns of the Father's heart in heaven, which you were called to manifest and reflect to your household. I love having a father like David who says, yeah, uh, even though I should go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for God is with me. We have a strong and mighty God and the expression of a father's heart should be not the woes of economic sorrows, but the sentiment of what makes the heart of God sad. And so the, throughout history, there have been men who upon being called by God, to address these affairs have called their families. Let's go now to a man named Abraham in Genesis 18, verse 19. There's no greater man than this, that a man might leave a legacy of blessing of the Father's heart to the coming generations. And one of the reasons why God is able to connect with Abraham is because he had a deep understanding that Abraham would also Passed down to his children, the father's heart. Genesis 18, verse 19, when he says, For I have known Abraham, and he will order the affairs of his household, commanding his children, 
and all those that come into his household, that they were to keep the way of the Lord, that they were to walk in the righteousness and in the justice of God, that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has spoken over him. What God has, you know, the, the greatest plan of God's fulfillment in our life is not the secular pursuit of the earthly, earthly possessions and wealth and security. No, the security comes when you're faithful to pass down a faithful God to your children. When you're faithful to pass down what God intended for you, then you shall become great upon the earth. Then you shall be ashamed of no thing. And, and so in this verse is really powerful. In verse 20, he says that he might bring upon Abraham what he has spoken. What did he speak? He says, and the Lord said, because of the outcry of the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, because of their sin is very grave. What were the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah? It was the sign of the times. There was a man named Lot leaving his children, earthly pursuit. Nothing in spiritual blessing. You know what happened to his daughters. His daughters lost their sons because they didn't fear the Lord. They did not have an appetite for the instruction of God. When Lot told them God would judge that city, they mocked him and laughed at him. They had no appetite for the legacy of a father. They didn't want to receive the father's heart. They stayed and were destroyed in that judgment. The daughters leave with Lot out of the city. And their hearts are filled with the perversion of that city. And they lie with their father. They, 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 they conduct affairs in the same mindset that's twisted. Twisted mindset. And we're so, we're so phenomenal in being able to point out other people's twistedness but the truth of the matter is we're walking in the same twistedness we have turned away from serving a living faithful God to serving the things in this world to pursuing the things uh, that that call to the eye as Abraham was teaching his children in the ways of the Lord he taught them three things number one he taught them personal worship that means that Abraham had a relationship with God. His children were able to perceive him serving his God. How did this happen? Do you guys know how Isaac learned that his father had a serious commitment with God? How did it happen? He was able to put Isaac on the altar of sacrifice. He was able to say, God comes first. You don't come first. You, you create a big error in your family when you tell your children that they are first. Tell them God is first. God's agenda, God's schedule is first. So he had private worship and he had family worship, but then he also had a, what's called public worship. He became the father of faith, a blessing to many families. We are all here because we followed in the steps of, of the father of faith. We're walking like Abraham walked. We're, we're living like he lived. He was, he's been an amazing example for us. He left his, his father's home. He left his father's house. He left the, they were a wealthy family. And God called them and sent them out to another place. And that becomes a, a blueprint for us to pursue God. And then God says, I know this man. He's going to. He's going to teach his children 
how to serve me. And I'm going to fulfill my purpose with that family's life. In Genesis chapter 35, verse 1, we see that Isaac's son, Jacob, comes and hears from the Lord. This is Abraham's grandson. Let me ask you a question. Where is your grandson going to be? Who have you cultivated your grandson to walk towards? To fellowship with? What's going to be his strength? What's going to be his song? What's going to be his high call in this world? And so God says to Jacob, arise and go to Bethel. A lot of things have happened already in the life of Jacob. Imagine his, his grandfather's Abraham, his father Isaac. Now he grows up and, and he, all sorts of things are taking place and all sorts of things are taking place in our life. But there's a connection with God and God tells this man, rise and go up to Bethel. The word Bethel means house of God. Dwell there and make an altar to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau. I think that we all have a personal testimony as to why God is our God. He says, go to the house of God, prepare an altar there. And, and there was no argument. There was no Jonah going in the opposite direction. There was no, I don't understand what you're telling me or forgetting what God had instructed him. And Jacob heard from God. Uh, it, it needs to be a season where the one that hears from God in your house is dad. A gentleman came up last week and says, in my house, my dad is, is a dunce. He's a, he's a little cuckoo in la cabeza. So my mom hears from God. She speaks to me and then me and my mom go and talk to dad so he could understand God. I want to tell you that's an abomination. A man who does not hear from God for his family. I'm not saying that the wife cannot hear from God. I'm saying a man is to be known in his house as one whose ear is tuned to the transmission of God. And he speaks the word of the Lord. He's not lost in these ways. And Jacob moves in that direction. He calls his household. And all, say all who are with him. Because a household is more than just a family. A household begins to those who visit, those who come are friends, those who are extended relatives. Those that have access to the house are willing to move in the direction of a father who hears from God. And so they were all there. And they said to the household and to all who were with him, put away everything that's not from the Lord. Put away your foreign gods, those things that you devote more time to. All those gods that are here among us, purify yourself, change your garments. That's a lot of work for a personal dad. Um, when my kids are getting older now, and uh, we have an ability now to see them growing up in their calling. I, I told them, I said, look, I spent 15 years of your life kicking the devil out of this house. I closed the doors. I changed the channels. We have, we have not let the devil in our house. 
you guys don't raise up and start opening windows and opening doors and letting the devil in. When you have your own families, you could, have, you could do whatever you want. You, you want to put the Lincoln, the Abraham vampire, and you want to get demon-possessed, and you want to have your head twist and throw up and, and have demons visit you at night, that's your problem. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We'll create an atmosphere where we attract the, the things of heaven. We want the visitation of angels. We want the visitation of the Spirit of God. I still remember uh, a friend coming to my house uh, 10 years ago. And the kids were very small. And he started throwing a, a joke. And I said, come here. Let me show you something. Come here. Come here. I opened the door to my house. I said, come here. Come here. Come here. And we walked outside. And we were on the sidewalk. He goes, you just kicked me out of your house. I go, yes, because in my house there are no curse words. In my house, there are no jokes with sexual perversion and connotations. You, Father, are the one that needs to do this. I hope you're not expecting your wife to do this. I hope you don't think your children are going to have the wisdom enough to change the channels on your television. And so Jacob hears from God. He calls his family and the extended family. And he says, hey, guys, it's time to... Put away those things that are not from the Lord. And what does he say in verse 3? And then he says, let this arise and go up to the house of God. So that I may make there a connection, an altar with God. Because this is a God who answers me in the day of my distress. This is a God who's been with me wherever I have gone. I love verse 4 because wherever there is a father who's moving in the authority of God, there's going to be a family who honors him and will follow his footsteps. And the Bible says in verse 4, so they gave Jacob all their foreign gods. They came and surrendered the earrings that were on their ears. Things that were the customs of other people. That had seeped into the family. I don't know what would happen if a pastor would have showed up at Jacob's house and says, you're not supposed to be wearing earrings. You're not supposed to be serving foreign gods. You're not supposed. The kids would look at him like say, and who are you? Who are you? So sometimes the struggle of a pastor trying to sanctify a family runs into meddling into the affairs that were not his in the first place. For that, we apologize. Our concern is that the blessing of God might come over your children and your children's children, and they might not know curse and pain and desolation. But coming to the knowledge that if dad doesn't stand up, there's nothing a pastor could do. There's nothing a pastor could do. The only thing a pastor could do is when the dads come to the house of God, he said, hey, the buck's on you. The buck's on you. In the house of God. The buck's on you. The buck's on you, Emilio. You're responsible to read scripture to your family. You're responsible to express the heart of God to your daughters. You're responsible to take worship to your house. And let your son see you crying for what makes God cry. Let your, gods, let your children see you dancing and rejoicing as we went out to celebrate the Miami Heat. I was celebrating my salvation. 
And my kids are like, well, Dad, what's going on? Yeah, I was going to hell, and woohoo! I'm going to heaven! Beep, 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 beep! I will celebrate that which is what God has done in my life so my children can perceive the genuineness, the reality of what I say that I proclaim and profess at church on Sunday morning. It's not a Sunday morning event for me. It's all the time. It's everywhere. Years ago, we, we were able to go on a family vacation uh, to, to Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. And, and, and my kids might have thought, okay, dad's getting away from the church. He's getting away from worship. He's getting away from the things of God. And I went to the front desk and I said, do you guys have church here Sunday morning? They said, no, we don't have a pastor. I said, I'm a pastor. I want to have a service. And everybody, a lot of, they announced it on the ship to everyone. And about 50 to 100 people came down. And they were there on Sunday morning, worshiping God. And I told my children, get ready. Bring your Bible verses. I think they were seven years old. They were six and five. And we led and had an altar of worship. And we told those people on that ship, they, gotta, they have to be right with God. That when God prospers them, they better not be going down to no casino. They better not be getting drunk. That the favor of God that gives them a vacation is to honor the God of heaven. And so we were able to, to see the realities of, of the worship of a father. Not only Sunday morning, real quick, let's behave because they're looking at us. And you're here for two hours trying to not offend and try not to affect. Listen, worship God. Let, let the passion of God, you be a vessel of God to your family. You're ordained to that. You're ordered in that. Your, your family cannot have worship if you don't lead. If you don't lead, your family will not worship at home. They'll turn on HBO also. They'll fall in fr the, asleep in front of the television 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Your children will do what you do. And it says they removed their foreign gods and their earrings. And as they walked, verse 5, as they walked in the direction of their journey, the fear of God, the terror of God kept them and protected them. So they were not pursued by other cities. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is the land of Canaan, verse 6. And he and all the people that were with him, and there they built an altar to God and called that place God's altar, God's house. Because there God had revealed himself to him when he had fled from his brother. Joshua is coming up soon and, and the people of Israel have already been brought out of Egypt. They were slaves in Pharaoh's house. They, they, were, they, they were in bondage and captivity. Joshua brings them out and they begin to worship all sorts of gods. So in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, the Bible says that Joshua tries to rebuke them. And he says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, if you think it's such a bad trip to know God and to serve him. Remember the gods you used to serve on the other side of the river with your fathers? The Amorites in the land you dwelt in? Go ahead and serve other gods if you want. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know what the people told them in the following verses? 
from verse 16 to verse 18, the people says, yes, Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord too. We're going to serve the Lord also. We won't forget that he helped us. But they were saying they were going to serve God and other gods. They were going to distribute their time amongst gods. And Joshua says, hey, no way. I don't know. I got to tell you, God is not going to let you serve him and other things. No man can serve two gods. He'll love one. He'll devote himself to one and despise the other. So Joshua tells them in verse 19, this God, the God that I'm introducing, that I'm serving with my family, Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord for he's a holy God and he's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions and your sins. He's not going to share his time. He's, he's, he's a, a mono God. The Lord thy God is one. He's not many. And if you don't serve him right, verse 20, listen to what it says. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you good. Do you harm? God is to be taken serious. We can't serve him with duplicity of mind, double-mindedness. We can't serve a God we don't know. Reading the scriptures is knowing God. Praying is knowing God. Receiving instruction is knowing God. He says, if you forsake the Lord and serve other gods, then the promises of God are not fulfilled in your life. And you will, he will do harm and consume you after he has done you good. If you don't serve him rightly, there's consequences. People don't talk about that. The people would erase that out of the Bible in a heartbeat. Verse 21, and the people said to Joshua, no, no, but we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. And he says, well, if this is true, verse 23. Verse 23. Therefore, now, since you've decided, put away what is not from God in your lives. And incline your heart. Put your disposition towards the God of Israel. Begin to give him time. Begin to give him sleepless nights. When's the last time you woke up at night and says, oh, man, I just need to go find some more of God. I need to read some more of my Bible. No, you're worrying about adding, subtracting, buying, selling, trading, finding. Wake up in the middle of the night and say, I can't sleep because I forgot to tell God something. I forgot to speak on behalf of my children. I, I forgot to speak on behalf of their household. And so this is what the Lord is saying. Let's serve God. I want to encourage you because I know that there's practical application to this. Today when you go home, grab whatever is not from the Lord and get it out of your house. Whatever is not from the Lord, remove it. Have that heart and disposition, Father, to lead your children in the ways that please God. In Joshua 23, the, the chapter before Joshua notices what's going on. Verse 7, Joshua 23, 7, he says that you may not mix with these nations that you're dealing with all the time. 
And he makes mention of their gods or swear by them and serve them and bow down to them. See, they kept on saying, we're going to serve God. But God was seeing what they were serving. And their children at home were seeing what they were serving. So Joshua was saying, look, you guys have, have made yourself a part of all these nations. And if, if it's a bad thing for you to serve the Lord, then go serve those nations. And they said, no, we're going to serve the Lord. But they were, they were mixing. And he was telling them, quit mixing and serving other things and other, uh, other devotions. Verse 8, but cling to the Lord, your God, as you have done to this day. For it's the Lord who's driven out these strong nations. It's the Lord who's answered your prayer. It's the Lord who has fought your fights. In verse 10, one man of you shall put to flight a thousand. For it is the Lord your God who fights for you as he's promised. Be very watchful. Verse 11. We're reading Joshua 23, 11. Be careful to love the Lord your God. Verse 12. For if you turn your back and adhere to the other nations left among you, and you cross marriage, you make marriages with them, you make alliances, you marry their women, know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive out the nations before you, and they shall be a snare and a trap. We know what we've been made free of. Let's pass it down to our children. Let's not let our children get in bondage again to end up the same way we were, the same way we fell in that scenario. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, God instructs his people. Oh, hear Israel, the Lord your God is one. He's not scattered everywhere. The devotion is in one direction. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I've given you today are to be on your hearts. Why? Why does God, verse 5, why does God want us to have, in verse 6 also, his commandments written in our hearts? Remember that the heart are your sentiment, your affections, your emotions, your will. That's your heart. What, what you're expressing through your heart. With regards to the commandment of the Lord, verse 7. Because your children need to be taught they need to receive, and they will only receive what's on the Father's heart. That's what's important. That's the nexus. That's the pass down. Teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of these commandments that are in your heart when you sit down at church. Read carefully. It says, in your house. Sit down in the living room of your house, turn off the television, and tell your children, we are going to consider the Bible. We're going to consider the commandments of the Lord. And then your children are going to be really anxious to say, and what does this mean? As a father that always was teaching his child uh, correction and discipline. And so he was a little five, six-year-old. And every time he would do something wrong, his father would say, okay, my son, let's go to the discipline room. And he would take him over there to the discipline room. He says, this is what you have done. And because of this, I want you to acknowledge and confess that it's what you've done. And then I'm going to spank you. And then we'll go back and I'll pray for you. And we'll go back out to the real world. And as he did this one day, the son uh, was walking with his dad. He says, hey, dad, could I ask you a question? He says, yeah. 
He says, don't you ever sin? The son had never seen his father confess his mistakes. He had never passed down repentance in, in an observable manifest way where you call the family together and say, guess what, guys? God is showing me that I've committed a mistake and I want to ask you for forgiveness. This happened last week in our home as we have spent 10 years without any special channels. You guys know the special channels, right? All the HBO and Showtime. So 10 years ago, we decided we weren't going to have any of those channels and our cable box broke. So I went to the cable place and brought a new cable box and we installed it, and they said, because it's a new cable box, you get all the channels for free, the special ones too. And I said, okay, and for how long is this? They said, six months. I said, good, I haven't seen movies in a long time. I'm going to watch a movie. So brought the cable box home, connected it, and decided to see my cousin Vinny. And the F word in 15 minutes was said over 100 times. And so I went to bed that night in the early morning. I woke up. I said, Lord, I want to thank you for your commandments and the purity of your, uh, of your order in our house. That for 10 years in our house, there has been no profanity. And then I want to ask you for forgiveness for yesterday for watching that movie, those 15, 20 minutes, trying to go through the movie and get all the jokes and, and, and having to suffer the profanity and in our household and in our living room. And so in the morning I told my kids, I want to ask you for forgiveness as we drove away from the house for what happened last night. It was disgusting. And they were able to see their dad repent and confess his sin. And that's what we need to be doing at home. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a dad. And my kids have to see that I walk in repentance. I walk in acknowledgement of sin. I walk in confession of sin. So that they're able to walk after me in my example. That's what God is teaching us when he says these words. Teach these things to your children. It's not stand before them and read to them the Ten Commandments. It's teaching what's going on in your life and telling them this happened to dad today. And it was horrible and, 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 and whatever the case may be. So they could see the genuineness of your walk. The reality of not a robot who knows the Bible by heart and speaks real pretty at church. We need to be these men at home. Whenever you are at your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up in the morning. Is this what they're seeing? Is this what they're perceiving in your life? It needs to be. He says even in verse 8, write them down as symbols in your hands and in your foreheads. Keep them in your thoughts. Write them down on your doorpost, in your house, in your gates. Let them see this. Deuteronomy eleven nineteen says, teach them to your children. Talking about them when you go and sit at home. Go there to Deuteronomy eleven nineteen. He says, when you're, when you're sitting at home, make time for your relationship with God to share your heart with your children. I love 2 Samuel chapter 6. You know David did this. David loved to serve God in the house of God. Verse, chapter 6, verse 
15, 2 Samuel 6, 15, it says that David went out with all of Israel, with all the people of God, and he was bringing the presence of God. He was shouting and dancing and celebrating. I'm sure a couple people had casuelas. They had their pots out there. They were celebrating the cause of God. And verse 16 says, as the ark of the Lord came to the city of David, David's wife, Saul's daughter, looked out of the window and saw King David dancing before the Lord, and she despised him. And they brought the ark, verse 17, of the Lord, and set it inside the tent of the Lord. And David burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And David had finished offering the sacrifices. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord, verse 18. And distributed among the people everything, the meat, the, the sacrifices. So it says, so all the people departed each to his house. What do you guys think verse 20 says? David goes to his house. David returned to his house. And continued there to minister before the Lord. He continued there to bring God's reality home. His wife had a difference of opinion. And he says, woman, you saw me dancing before the Lord and you say that I became a fool. I'm prepared to become even a greater fool for my Lord. I'm, I'm the real deal. I don't repent what I'm doing in public. I'll do it in private. I have private worship. I have family worship. I have public worship. I want to tell you that there should be the expressions of the joy of God in your home. Psalm 118 verse 15 says there should be rejoicing, the voice of rejoicing. Notice it doesn't say cursing. It doesn't say a woe, a depression. It doesn't say that you embrace your demons at home? No, the voice of rejoicing and salvation are in the tents of the righteous man. Voice of triumph, of glorious victory in the house of the righteous. The singing of songs, the singing of the melodies of God, the salvation of the Lord, the integrity of God, personal responsibility. Psalm 101 verse 2, David says like this, I will conduct myself... In a perfect way when I'm at home. When I, when I come, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. At home. I have the expressions of, of a man of God. The expressions of the peace of the Lord. The minister of his peace. In my house. How does he do this? Verse 3. By not putting any wicked thing before me. I will set nothing, the word wicked means twisted, anything upside down, anything that's not the kingdom, anything that's not appropriate in my house, I'm not going to put before me. I hate the work of those who fall away. It's not going to come near my house. We are to do in our house what we've learned at the house of God. Our houses should be an extension of the house of God. I want to ask you a question. Do you have friends and families that won't come to church with you? Why are they going to your house? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. 
They won't come to the house of God because they don't want to listen to the word of God. Are you not speaking the word of God to them in your house? They don't come to the house of God because they want to smoke and drink. Are you allowing them to smoke and drink at your house? Curse words in my house, I, I rejoice because as, as 10 years ago, I walked out a gentleman out of my house who was cursing. About six months ago, around my neighborhood, some boys came over to play basketball with my children in our backyard. And as they were playing basketball in our backyard, one of them said, whoop, a bad word. And my son said, hey, mister, in this place, no bad words. These are teenage boys. And they kept on playing. And in a little while, again, boop, another bad word. And they turned to him and says, listen, this is number two. No bad words here. And they continue to play for some time, and all of a sudden, threes the strike, comes another bad word, and they took the ball, and they say, you have to leave. Amen. Not because of dad telling them, but because of the passing down of the presence, the kingdom, the respect of our God in our house, in the place that we have ushered the presence of a glorious God. These are children, teenagers, young men. You're telling me you can't do that at your house? That's why there's no testimony. That's why they won't come to the house of God, but they'll go to your house right here, right now in a couple minutes. They'll be coming to your house. They won't come and worship your God. You need to make sure that your God is in your house and that his kingdom is established and his commandments are the commandments of the Lord. This was what Joshua was telling the people of Israel. They want it both ways. But King David said, no, I will put nothing wicked before my eyes. Why? Because he was calling upon the favor and the promises of God to be established. I want to read to you what was the normal instructions in, in those who worshipped Christ in the Christian home in England in 1596. The pastor is to visit each home. To determine whether the families are worshiping God inside the home. Asking whether the family is worshiping God, praying to God, singing praises to God, and reading scriptures. Whether the behavior of those who live in the home honor God. In order that they might honor God in public worship. They weren't allowed at church publicly if it was not happening at home. Who was directing this at home? You guys tell me. Dad. Dad was the one that was establishing this. So about 100 years later in 1647, it says family worship. The ordinary duties comprehended under the exercise of being pious which should be in families when they are convened as a home. First, they should pray. Second, praises with special kind of references to the God of heaven and his kingdom. In this present state of family, every member should read scripture. As, as, long, as soon as a member of the family could read, they needed to participate in the reading of scripture. And we did this uh, last year. We went to visit a family. 
And the little boy knew that it was good. Pastor was there, and the guitar was there, and the singing. And the little boy goes, it's my turn to read. He didn't know how to read. He didn't know how to speak. But he wanted to participate in the reading of the word of God. It's a great legacy we passed down that we have lost miserably. Miserably we've lost it. And he says they should read those that know how. Next, reading the scriptures in a plain way, not a sophisticated religious way. Understanding the simpler things that profit those things which will be done in public. They may be more capable of understanding the scriptures when they are read together with godly conference. Tending to edify all the members of faith with admonition and rebuke, with reason. For those who have authority in family, the head of the family is to take care that none of the family withdraws himself from family worship. Hey, Dad, I'm tired. Seeing the ordinary performance of all parts of the family worship belong properly to the head of family. The minister is to stir up such that are lazy and train up such that are weak and make them fit for these exercises. So many as can conceive prayer. If you can pray, you ought to pray because it's a gift of God for the family. And those who are rude or weaker may begin at set form of prayer, but so that they might not be sluggish in, in stirring in themselves according to the daily need and the spirit of prayer which is given to the children of God. Secret prayer to God, enabling their hearts to conceive, their tongues to express the convenience desires to God for their family. These exercises ought to be performed in great sincerity, without delay, laying aside all exercises of worldly business, anything else that hinders. Notwithstanding mocking of the atheist and profane men, men that are not going to do that, that make fun of this, in respect to the great mercies of God to this land and of his corrections, where he gives us each day. And he's ready to help us in time of need. Not only to stir up themselves and families, but also to help other families in this power and charge. Let this be done consistently. I want to, I want to point out that these things of worship, gather to worship in your home, gather to prepare a word of study, um, a Bible reading, a, a searching the scriptures, um, finding a word from the Lord, selecting a passage. Each day there should be a meditation. You should share your meditation with your children so they could see how you seek the Lord in prayer and in song. Worship, confession, brevity. Don't make it a three-hour service. Make it short and sweet. Make it, make it something they would, they're looking forward to. Make it something that they want to be a partaker of. No, our, our children's heart is going to be where the heart of the Father is. And that's what I've tried to do this morning. I've tried to bring, uh, even in my own life, the responsibility we have to cultivate the spiritual atmosphere. This is not accusatorial. This is not critical. This is encouragement to where we should be, where we should walk. If we want to have fruit in our life, it's coming down the road. The fruit will either be sweet or bitter. Now is the time to cultivate. Let's stand.
Your grandchildren would love to be a part of a grandpa who says, hey, I want you here at Tuesday at 6 o'clock. We're going to read the Bible together. A grandson will love an appointment with his granddad to read scripture. To say this is the way of the Lord. And he'll open up his heart and tell you what he's battling and then you can pray with him. It doesn't have to be a mom or a grandmother like it was in Timothy's life. Because his father was so busy in worldly affairs. Let us stand up in this generation where we're calling a generation of men that will stand up and transfer the heart of God the Father. This is what we do at church. This morning we have received the heart of God. Now you take it to your home. You take it to your house. Don't let no devil stand in your way. Tell your, uh, your, your mother-in-law to shut up for a second. Tell your mother-in-law that, that her reign of terror is over. There's a new administration. There's a man of God, a man who fears the Lord, and he wants the blessing of God in his home. And, and you also pray, read the scriptures, and sing. Pray, read the scriptures, and sing. If, if, an opportunity for confession. This is what's going on in my life, and, and this is what God is dealing so that your children might know how to confess their sins. Confession is the greatest antidote. Listen to me very well. Confession is the greatest antidote to pride. And God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. If you confess your sins, you're walking in humility and God is going to show up. It's awesome. It's awesome when we do that. That's why we should confess our sins to one another. So that the grace of God might be abundant in our lives. We've created a generation of young people that will confess no sin because they have not seen their fathers confess their sins. They cannot do what they have not seen. I'm going to finish now with Psalm 78. And it says that the things we have heard, the things that we have seen, we're going to pass them down to our children. Let's go to Psalm 78, verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my laws. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Verse 2. I will open up my mouth and begin to share the hidden sayings of old. Verse 3. Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Our fathers have told us. Not a pastor, not a prophet, not a teacher, not a... All these weird religions have risen up because of one reason. Because the fathers have not shared the word of God to their children. That's it. Because this is not no spooky. This is not no mystical. This is not no psychic. This is plain obedience. Instruct your children in the way of the Lord. The next verse says... We will not hide them from our children. We're not going to keep it a mystery. But we will tell each generation to come and praise the Lord. And to see His strength and the wonderful things He has done. Tell your children that you prosper because of God. That you're blessed because of God. Father, we give you thanks this morning for hearing your word. For instructing us in your ways for transferring your heart to this place that we might transfer it to our houses, to our homes, to our families.
Lord, deliver us from throwing tantrums and walking in pride and self-sufficiency. Deliver us from worshiping mammon and business dealings and commercial pursuits and endeavors. You are the Father of lights from whom all blessings flow, from which every good and perfect gift comes. There is no variation or shadow of turning in you. You're a faithful God. And help us come to public worship and do what we have done in family and in private worship, Lord. Otherwise, our lives are a fraud. Our lives are a big hypocritical scene. Let our affections and our tears that we shed in the house of God be our affection and our tears that we shed in our homes. Let our children embrace the Father's heart as it is expressed through us, O oh God. Give us the strength and the courage to pick, pick a time and a day to open up scripture and to pray, to worship and to confess our sins to our children, to the family, to the home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.